Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, I can see it in some of your eyes. You're like, what's the sound guy doing up there? Don't don't let anybody talk in this church. But uh, it is uh, an honor and a privilege to be here um, and to, uh, to speak today. Uh, as Brandon said, I don't like it up here. I like it back there. I like to do my work at the ground. And so there's no telling what's going to come out from all of this. Uh, but uh, I do appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to speak today. Um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, so our service has been about uh, New Year, Fresh Start. And so what we've been talking about are these spiritual disciplines, and we're trying to sort of help get everybody geared up for this new year and the things that are going to happen. And so part of that is introducing me as, as an elder, introducing this idea of elders here in the church and leaders uh, and lay leaders. Uh, but also today we're going to be talking about fasting and prayer and get us prepared for the workshop that we have this afternoon at 2 o'clock and then for the week of fasting and prayer that we have coming up at the end of the month. So um, all this ties together. Uh, this is not coincidence. This has actually been planned and laid out by uh, the Lord a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> I was really appreciative of Brandon this morning at the, our pre-service huddle that uh, he actually spoke about a, a mentor of his who uh, he asked him, you know, how long do you know how to, your, for your services to last? How long do your sermons last? And he says, they're over when they're over. When they're done, you preach until it's done. So this may be five minutes, or we may be here for an hour. It's going to depend. But I, we'll try to make it fast. We'll make it quick and simple, because we also got a lot of other stuff going on today as well. And I don't want to wear you out completely. So let's just jump right in. Fasting and prayer uh, is not common in the modern church. Not as common as it should be, but it is in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. So it's a spiritual discipline that we really need to practice. We need to understand it. And as Brandon announced a few weeks ago, we have a week of fasting and prayer coming up. Now, I don't know about you and if you've ever gone through this before, but I can remember the first time that my church said we were going to have a week of fasting and prayer. I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Fasting and prayer. I've never done this before. Something new. Man, I'm going to learn something. God's going to develop me. It's going to be another skill to put in my toolbox. It's going to be fabulous. And so we started. And you know what God revealed to me? After about three days, I was hungry. I was so hungry. Oh, my gosh. It was not the mountaintop experience that I expected it to be. It was terrible. i got to be honest. It was hard. Am I right, dear? I, was, I wasn't really hungry. Sometimes I was hangry. You know, it wasn't good. So I quit. I just was like, all right, well, three days, that's, you know, three's an important number, so we'll just say that we did good 
and we'll just, we're cutting bait. <laughs> Tried it again because we're trying to break a cycle of guilt with a cycle of grace if you were here last week. And so I was like, okay, Lord, next time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm just, I need you. You got to get me through this. And so I tried it again. I think this time, the next time I made it like four days. But still, couldn't do it. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe fasting from food's not going to work for me. So I, the last time it, that I actually tried it, it was like, all right, no TV and no social media. I'm just going to, you know, the time that I'm usually watching TV, which I spend more time doing that than I do eating anyway, so I'll get more time in with the Word, and I'll just be able to go. But, you know, even with that, I couldn't make it a week. I couldn't make it seven days, much less to try to go 40 days like Jesus did. Oh, man, it's crazy. So I just gave up on fasting. I just, I, this is my confession time. I was done. No more for me. And so whenever a time of fasting and prayer was announced in my mind, I was like, swell. <laughs> Everybody say swell. swell. No, no. Some of you aren't doing that right. A little more eye roll this time. And really just swell. There you go. That's a little more like it. Now you're starting to understand where I'm coming from. So this is my attitude about fasting and prayer. Well, fast forward to October. We're at the elders retreat, which is not nearly as much fun as you think that it would be. But it's still a great time. Just, I love our elders retreats. And last year was fabulous. And... I just love those times away, those weekends away. But we're planning through the calendar. Brandon's like, all right, we're going to introduce elders this year. Mark, we want you to preach. We're going to introduce you as an elder before we do the ordination for Wes. This is going to be so good. And I'm like, yeah, great, bring it on. He says, want you to preach in January. Yep, great, no problem. I can be ready. Not a problem. He says, okay, so what's on the schedule? You know, do you have a topic you want me to preach on? What's, what's the calendar looking like? And he says, Mark. We're going to bring a message on fasting and prayer. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. And in my head, I went, swell. <laughs> and apparently, I either said it out loud, which I don't realize, or I at least had it on my face because Brandon was like, oh, or we can pick another week or no topic. Really, it's okay. No worries. It's all good. But I'm like, no, Brandon. If this is where God wants us to be, if this is what God wants me to preach on, then put me down, put it in the calendar, in ink, it's done, I'm ready. And I left that retreat praying, oh God, <laughs> oh, you've got to give me something new. You've got to help me because if I have to preach on how I feel about fasting and prayer, this is going to be real quick and Brandon will never let me talk again. Wait a minute. This is like washing the red socks with all the whites. I could get away from... Never mind. <laughs> so as I'm praying and I'm thinking about this and I'm asking God for some insight, where he leads me to is 2 Samuel chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible with you or if you have a Bible app, if you use it on your phone, we like to recommend version, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Whatever, there's a bazillion Bible apps out there, but 2 Samuel chapter 12. But we will actually get to that and the rest of my story in a minute. So first we're going to talk about a couple of other things, a couple of other points 
before we get into the passage. Like I said, I'm kind of trying to keep this simple. I'm trying to introduce this concept to everybody. So it may be real rudimentary for some of you who have done this before. You've had a lot of success. You're going to be bored for the next couple of minutes. But for the rest of us, hopefully you'll glean some understanding as to what this is all about. So let's talk about fasting and prayer. What's the purpose of fasting and prayer? What reason do we even do that? There's no sense in doing it if we don't understand why, right? Well, simply put, fasting and prayer is a spiritual discipline where we deny ourselves in order to devote more time to prayer in an effort to have a deeper understanding of God's will and design for our lives. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, this is the purpose of fasting and prayer. It isn't about losing weight. This isn't about a diet, a fad diet. And this really isn't even about self-denial to a degree, but it's about getting hold of God and seeking a better understanding or direction from him. Why do we do it? Because we really need God. An act of fasting is most often accompanied in times of intense prayer, as those who participate are doing all kinds of things. It's about repentance. It's about intercession for others. It's about worship, and it's about seeking guidance from the Lord. So that's why we do it. So how do we do it? Again, this is going to seem real simple, but it needs to be said. That way we all have a clear understanding of where we are. So what is the process for fasting and prayer? Well, typically, what it is is you just don't eat during the day. And the time that you would normally devote to eating, you spend that time praying, reading your Bible, and meditating on God's Word. And then at the end of the day, usually after sunset, which I'm grateful that we're doing this in January, by the way, because the sun sets at like 520. So, you know, if we're doing this in August, oh, swell. You must have done that for me, and I appreciate it, brother. But you have a modest meal in order that you can keep your strength up. Now, if you got health concerns, if you're diabetic, skipping meals all day, probably not a good idea. And for those of you who have ever had to go to the doctor, especially those of us of a certain age, where they want to run labs all the time, you remember, what do they say? Well, if you're, you're going to go to your labs, but you have to fast first, and so that means no food after a certain point in time, but if you're on medication, you can take your medicine, and thankfully, they'll let you have one cup of black coffee. Just one. And it's black. But, you know, in order to not uh, violate the commandment about thou shalt not kill, I will take the cup of black coffee. <laughs> so, it's really not as bad as it could be, as some have done. You really can have something, and then you have a little uh, sensible meal at the end of the day. You don't go crazy, you know, but you can have something to eat, because you've got to keep your energy up in order to be able to fast and pray the next day. And we'll have some guides i imagine brandon some resources available to you to help you with all of that to get through it <sighs> did i mention that we're doing an empowering prayer workshop this afternoon two o'clock yeah we should probably have put a qr code up so that uh, they could register for it now while i'm preaching but um rihanna can you put that up i'm kidding <laughs> so We've covered the basics, right? The purpose and the process of fasting and prayer. 
So what else do you need to know? Well, this is the rest of the story. This is where we're finally going to get to 2 Samuel chapter 12. But before we read the passage itself, let me lay out to you what has happened before, because we need context to understand what's going on. In chapter 11, what we hear is that it is springtime. The hard winter is over, and now is the time that the kings and their armies go out and they battle their neighbors, and they defend their countries against uh, others that are coming to, uh, to battle them. Well, this particular time, David, who is the king, decides that he is not going to go. He actually stays behind. He's up on the roof of his palace, and there he sees Bathsheba, who is the wife of Uriah, who is in the army at the front, bathing nearby. So David says, wow, this is an attractive woman. And because he's the king, he takes her and he has an affair with her. We don't do coloring pages for this, do we? No. This is another one that you probably didn't do a coloring page in Kids Men. This is not one of the stories that you hear about. But it's true, and it happened. And so um, Bathsheba comes to David a little bit, and she's like, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant, and you're the father. So David tries to cover up his sin. He tries to cover his tracks, and what he does is he actually orders Uriah to come back from the front, brings him into the palace, talks to him for a while, and says, welcome home for a couple of days, go home, be with your wife, you know, take a nice bath, get cleaned up, and spend some time with your loving wife. Well, that's a great plan, except Uriah doesn't do it. Backfires on him. He won't go. So, after trying this twice, David's like, okay, fine, just go back to the front. So he sends him back to the army, he's there, and David sends a message to the generals that, hey, you need to attack the Ammonites. And when you do, while Uriah is up at the front, I want the rest of the army to retreat, and you're going to leave him there, and he's going to be killed. I am the king. This is the way it's going to be. And so they do that. So, and while Uriah is engaging the enemy, the army retreats. Uriah is killed. David then allows the grief-stricken very pregnant widow to join his household. But the prophet Nathan comes to him, confronts him with his sin, tells him what's going to become of his child and also of the rest of his family and his lineage and what's going to happen to uh, his rule as, as the king. <clears throat> and this is what brings us up to where we are now. 2 Samuel chapter 12 beginning in verse 15, second half of 15. So if you're there, say, I'm here. I'm here. All right, excellent. If not, we better have them up on the, work, on the wall because I printed these out last night. So second half of verse 15 says, And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. Up oh, there's his purpose. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground process and the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground but he would not nor did he eat food with them and on the seventh day the child died 
And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead, and David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you rose and ate food. And he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Have you ever been so grieved or upset about something that you couldn't eat? Or maybe even a little bit milder case, maybe you had an interview or a meeting that you're going to have to talk in front of people like this, and the butterflies are so flopping around in your belly that you can't, you don't have any room left in your stomach for food. This is what I was missing in my previous attempts at fasting and prayer. God showed me that I had a stinky attitude. I didn't understand that the idea of fasting isn't just about the act of fasting itself, but it's about an act of desperation. It's an act of grief that is so overwhelming that you don't care enough to even want to eat. So it's not that I'm denying myself a meal because, well, that's what you do when you fast, but it's more of God I don't want to eat I don't even want to go another day until I hear from you God I need you to save my child God I need you to do this one thing for me please that is the posture of fasting and prayer. That's what I miss. That's what I think a lot of us miss when we try to go through this exercise because we don't think about it. You know, if we do this as that, as an exercise, oh, this is something we do, this is something we get called to once a year or whatever in order to have this time, well, we tend to want to do it on our own power, right? Oh, yeah, you know, I got a little something extra here, so I can, I can manage to, to miss a couple of meals, and I'll be fine. But I've proven that when you try to do it on your own, guess what? You're going to fail. You're going to drop down. You're not going to make it. You're not going to have the energy within yourself to be able to go the distance. But when we treat 
a period of fasting and prayer as a time of desperate need for the intervention of God, then we see that the stakes are higher. And we can only do it through His power and presence. You know, it's one thing for us to pray, oh God, my child is going through this little hurdle in their life. Or, oh God, the church wants me to have this time of fasting and prayer so that we can pray about uh, what's in the guide. And we look and we see, you know, and we try to do it that way. But it's something else when you are so desperate that you just cry out. And that's what they were doing. That's what David was doing was, oh God, you've told me that you forgave me of my sin. You told me that what I did was against you and I have asked you to forgive me and you have forgiven me, but don't take my child. Save my child, this innocent one. Don't do this, please. I would rather starve to death than to lose this child. Please, God. David's not the only one who did this. Earlier we did a study on Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and that the people there were still vulnerable, he fasted and prayed. Prayed that God would do something to heal and to take care of his homeland and the people that were still there. In Daniel, Daniel 9.3, Daniel fasted and prayed, asking God to intervene and shorten the time before the Jews could return to Israel. Matthew 4.2, Jesus fasted for 40 days following his baptism by John the Baptist. He got baptized, and he goes to the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days before he starts his ministry to get a hold of God because he knew what was coming next. That for three years, he would tell us that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He knew that he was going to be sacrificed on a cross for our sins. We knew that He knew that he was going to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he was going to rise victorious to prove that he is the Son of God, and we don't have to fear death if we believe in him. But for 40 days he fasted and prayed to prepare himself. And there are other occasions that he would do this. But that was what it was about, was the desperate need to get a hold of God. And in Acts 13, we say that we want to be more like the first church, right? And so we look, turn to the book of Acts constantly. And that's a great resource for us, and that's a great reference. Well, if we look at Acts 13, and verses 2 and 3, we see that the first church was fasting and praying when the Holy Spirit told them to set Barnabas and Paul apart to become missionaries. And then they fasted and prayed some more before they appointed them and sent them out. It was part of the process, but it wasn't just a ceremony. It was in order to make sure that God was telling them something. So as we get ready for this week coming up, that's the attitude that we should try to have, ladies and gentlemen, is we want to be able to say, God, give me a fresh wind. God, reveal something new to us. God, you have done some miraculous things 
here in this church. Impact Fredericksburg, where we are at this point, is we are leap years, light years away from where we were. I, I'll figure it out in a minute. We're a long ways away from where we were when we were in Northern Virginia. Hokey smokes, man. It's unbelievable. Like Brandon said, you know, even picking elders was something that it took us three years before we even broached the subject. You know, and it was probably another year after that that we started, you know, doing that. You know, and to, to be here now at this point, that's great. But there's still so much more to do. And so during this week, yeah, there'll be things in the guide. Pray for this this day. Pray for that the next day. But, you know, this is also the opportunity for you to start praying for yourself. God, I've got a problem. God, I need your help. God, I'm not quite sure what's going on and what my role is at Impact, but I need you to share that with me. And so that's what this is. And each of those examples, fasting and prayer, weren't exercises to demonstrate the person's holiness. They were acts of personal corporate sacrifice designed to get direction or aid from God. But the true act of sacrifice isn't even about the food, or if we're talking about it, burnt offerings or two doves or whatever else that you're going to bring. It's about the condition of our heart, right? That's what God revealed to me. Mark, you got a stinky heart. You need to do something about that. So, one of the great things about when we talk about David, when we study David, is we also get an opportunity to actually hear from him directly. Worship team, why don't you guys get ready to come on up? Because David was not only a man after God's own heart, he was not only the apple of God's eye, but he also was a songwriter. And so we find his words and his songs to us in the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 51, we hear what's on David's mind and what's on his heart when this was going on. When he was confronted by Nathan and he was praying for his child, this is what David said. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. 
hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall declare your praise. This is the kicker. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I could stand here and speak for hours, and I don't know that I could sum things up any better than that. He loves us. God cares for us. God just wants our heart. And if he has our heart, then the rest comes through. As we get ready to transition into our response time, I want you to consider the condition of your heart as we get ready for this week of fasting and prayer. Are you willing to humbly and desperately ask God for guidance? Perhaps you've been struggling with an underlying sin that you have been desperately trying to shake off, a thorn in your side that you need the God of the universe to resolve because you can't do it on your own. Perhaps like David, you have a loved one that you've been praying for that you would rather starve then see them go one more day without a relationship or an intervention from Jesus. Or you look out the window and you see a community around you crumbling and you need God to intercede like Nehemiah did. Or like the church in Acts. Maybe God is calling you to take a next step in your relationship with Him and perhaps even with Impact Church. And you just need answers like the church did. Today is the day. Now is the time to respond. In a moment. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.